What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, a disappointing Monday nighter kills the dream of a perfect 5-0 week, but we'll never complain about 4-1 on a week where the public got smoked. We'll spend another Tuesday with Ted as we do a little intro to power rating exercise using tiers, placing all 32 teams in four tiers going forward. Then I talk about why we don't have a college basketball preview despite the season starting on Wednesday. Finally, the first look at the lines for week 12 in the NFL. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. This is why we can't have nice things. The NFL lets you have one day, one day to be happy. And this is why you have to. This is why you have to be happy for that one day. That's why you have to celebrate the really good days, the fun, you know, victories, the games that you were on that nobody else was, or at least it felt that way. The, the weeks where you go, I should say the days where you go 4-0, and and the weeks that you go 4-1, and because in some cases, a lot of cases, they're fleeting, right? This is very difficult, this sports betting thing, especially trying to, quote-unquote, beat the NFL, a pretty robust market here. And of course, I'm talking about last night's game, Tampa Bay minus four, never really, well, I shouldn't say never uh, had a chance, because of course, Tampa Bay had a touchdown lead in the first half, tie game late, you're sort of going, maybe we can get to overtime, maybe for once we can actually win a coin toss, maybe Tampa can score a touchdown, but let's be honest, right, like the Rams were the right side in that game, right, I don't know that it was necessarily a horrendous bet, I thought it was pretty well handicapped with regards to some of the different opinions and all that kind of stuff, and let's break that down right now. Right? So we look at that game and we go, okay, Tampa Bay defensively, what's the handicap? Well, you know, Rams want to run the ball. Tampa Bay, I think, can stop that run. They did. They did quite well, actually. And they, you know, it was a complete shutdown. And so it's, you know, the handicap is let's force Jared Goff to beat us a top-ranked defense on the road, which is not something that's shown up on Jared Goff's resume up until this point. And when we're trying to force Jared Goff to beat us, that means we're trying to turn Jared Goff over. Well, he did that too, right? Two interceptions for Goff, keeping the Bucks in a game that they really had no business being in. And so you go, okay, like that was pretty good. Unfortunately, Jared Goff also pretty good with regards to finding receivers and not having to deal with Tampa's pressure because Tampa didn't really have all that much pressure. And, you know, when they did... You know, it got to Goff a little bit, and that's what sort of forced some of these turnovers. But they didn't do enough because of the Rams' scheme offensively. And really because Tampa Bay just sat in this zone and let Goff throw to different places in the zone. And when we're talking about Jared Goff here, and this is where I'm sort of disappointed in the Tampa's, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense, it's like... Jared Goff isn't the most accurate guy in the world when going up against man-to-man coverage, right? You saw some of the throws on different slants when it was kind of a man-to-man type situation. That's where the fatal flaw of Jared Goff kind of, you know, reared its ugly head. But they just weren't able to take advantage of that enough. And in part, because even though they were able to get these turnovers and get opportunities to score, the Tampa Bay offense was dreadful. 
And the handicap, of course, was they were going to be able to neutralize Aaron Donald as much as they possibly could. Again, and this is the issue with making sort of these pronouncements on Friday for games that are on Monday about best bets, where you go, okay, Tampa minus four is the best bet, Ali Marpet back in practice, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, he doesn't end up playing, right? Ruled out yesterday the all-pro guard for the Bucks, And you immediately go, okay, well, that's going to be some pressure. But when he gets ruled out, you go and you check the market. And you go, okay, how does that change the spread? Oh, like, is it going to drop now because he's not in? And you check the line, and it's up to four and a half. So from a closing line value standpoint, minus four, actually pretty good, right? Imagine you got minus three and a half or even minus three when that was available. You're sitting there going like, man, got some really good closing line value on the NFL, which isn't something that necessarily happens all that frequently, but that you take to the store, hand to the clerk and not buy anything with. And so this offense, no Marpet, I don't know, again, I like it. It's it's hard to say whether that was the difference between Tampa's offense being good or not good at all. But when you look at it and you go, okay, well, Tampa Bay was without Marpet. Like, that's that sucks. Like, you know, they never had a chance. <laughs> Nobody would ever necessarily say that. But you go, well, the Rams were without Andrew Whitworth. Right? Left tackle, veteran, all of that sort of stuff in a game that we thought the Bucks were going to be able to get pressure in. And so, you know, I've referenced it a couple of times this week, but our, you know, podcast with Drew Dinsick last week where he talked about, you know, we sort of started riffing on different players being out and in like this guy mattering this guy not mattering right like the center for seattle it matters and the alley marpet it matters but like andrew whitworth it doesn't matter and sort of trying to play roulette here with these injuries and you know figuring out who matters and who doesn't and so do i know necessarily that the you know rams would have been neutralized more if marpet was in the game you know maybe right like at the end of the day it all just kind of comes back to maybe and so what it really all comes back to when it comes to last night's game with Marpet out was Tom Brady and the inability to take advantage of these turnovers, right? Goff throws the interception in field goal territory. They can't even get so much as a first down and they have to kick the field goal instead of taking a four-point lead. It's now a tie game, right? And of course the Rams get the ball back. They go down and they score, you know, later on. The Bucks take it, you know, get the ball back again and immediately turn it over on first and 10 when Tom tries a shot that, listen, did his arm get hit? Did it not get hit? You know, I don't know. But, you know, maybe it did. But the point is, is like nobody was open down the field. And you're looking at this guy just sort of rearing back and firing it a handful of times. And there were a couple of situations where the ball should have been intercepted even when they weren't that you just go, what am I watching here? as far as this guy's concerned. And so uh, it's Tuesday, so we're going to bring in our boy Ted Ballantyne to talk a little bit more about this Monday Night Football game, especially as it pertains to Brady here. And then we're also going to get into uh, a fun little exercise. And it's it's a tiering exercise. So we're through 10 games of the season, and we want to, you know, say you want to create some power ratings, and you don't necessarily know how to do it. You've never done it before. Um, I would say sort of pump the brakes on the power ratings specifically, I would say, let's just work on tiers, right? Let's grab four. You could even extend it up to five tiers if you want. Um, you know, and how to tier these teams, like group these teams together, because let's be honest, at this point, there's so many teams that are essentially, you know, fives, 
out of 10, right? Like, however you sort of would want to rate your power rating, right? Whether you're doing it out of 100, out of 60, you know, guys do it in different ways. But there's a ton of teams here that are all just kind of the same. So if you can kind of put them into different tiers, I think that's a worthwhile exercise. So we're going to do that with Ted here. Um, so let's, uh, let's, uh, let's call him up. All right, let's bring him in in his usual Tuesday spot here. Ted Ballantyne, what's happening? Have I been removed from the first block? I feel like Tua, and I've been benched for performance. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, uh, you've been moved to 1B. 1B, you're still in the first block. It's just we had, to, we had to suss out some things with regards to Monday Night Football last night, which um, is essentially what is you know we're going to get to here with regards to a fun little exercise that we're going to do for the nfl um but i do have one thing that i'm going to kind of throw at you here as a surprise um something else came up and i want to run by you and you are you know as a weekly guest on this show you're sort of in the conversation for the board of directors if you will for like this it. podcast, yeah. right? So I think you could be the, you know, the vice president of common sense. Um, and so I'm sort of working on this idea of a social media policy when it comes to this stuff, because we get, you know, when you hand out winners, hopefully most of the time, but in some cases losers, and, you know, you have opinions about sports and, you know, we try to do fun stuff on the Twitter feed, like uh, reverse jinxes and just general complaints and sarcasm and that kind of thing. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily translate. And so last night I tweet about Tom Brady and Joe Flacco because I've watched a ton of both of these guys the last couple of weeks, right? With the Jets um, fading them in our Circus Survivor entry, you know, sweating out and watching every single play from Joe Flacco has been quite the experience the last couple of days. I should say the last couple of weeks. And so I tweet out, like, what's the difference at, the, at this point between Brady and Flacco? Because it's a lot of, you know, little dump off passes. And then when he decides to go deep, both guys are just firing it up there and hoping for the best at this point, right? Like there's a lack of accuracy. There seems to be a lack of a plan. There's maybe not a ton of like reading the defense as far as where's the safeties, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so the point was going to be about branding, right? Like, it wasn't just necessarily a complaint. It was really just going to be about, like, okay, like, Flacco and Brady at this point in their career, obviously there's a considerable difference from their entire career. Like, everybody knows that. <laughs> like, it's not exactly rocket science. And, uh, you know, but, like, at this point, like, it, it looks awfully similar because they're just both statue guys who are just firing, it up, firing away back there. And I get this reply from a follower. Now... I don't want to like air this guy out because I think he meant well. I think he just kind of misread the tweet, which happens on social media. Well, and it's and so clear we were... you had to you had to come up and it's coming your way. <laughs> well, well, sure, and and that's the thing. Like that's going to happen. Like that's the part of the deal that we sort of sign up for. And like I say, like the wins are going to come more often than the losses are going to. And if you judge things by one game, and I don't know that he necessarily tailed you know, Tampa Bay last night or sort of what the impetus was. But I have to read you this tweet because I think it's kind of hilarious. And he said, one is a Hall of Famer and best of all time, one had a good year. Fair points. Uh, both are deteriorating at a level that is to be expected at their age. Leave them alone. So... <laughs> 
again, and, and I don't want to air this person out because he, he so, but it made me think like, you know, because I think he just, he just misread the tweet, right? Like I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he misread the tweet and it wasn't like, tell me the difference between their careers. <laughs> like that's obviously not the case. It was really just like, tell me they're from a football playing standpoint, if we're going to analyze all of this stuff, whether it's, you know, statistics sort of coming from the field or on field matchups, we need to be able to realize that certain players aren't what they used to be and that these comparisons are there. And I think the actual correct answer, if we're taking this question as literal um, as, as this person may have taken it, is recruiting, right? Tom Brady is a better recruiter than Joe Flacco at this point, right? He's Jimbo Fisher, right, for Texas A&M head coach. And he's just, he's bringing in guys around him that is sort of making it all look like it might be this explosive, excellent, you know, offense, which against bad teams, it does sort of look like that. And so, uh, you know, point of all of that is, like, whether it's team, whether it's quarterback, whether it's whatever, like, let's trust our eyes here on what we see versus just kind of going with the brand name going forward. And so from a social media standpoint, I look at it and I go, okay, for one, I'm not going to argue with anybody online, right? I just think that's always sort of a bad look, dumb look or whatever. Go get like him, Russ. Sort of, go get him next we, time. No, like it's just so dumb, right? I'm not going to be like, well, like you missed the part about where I said this season. Like it's like, okay, like the t- you know, it's already there in black and white. We don't need yeah. to get into that. And so I think just going forward, if you're a follower – Versus a non-follower. Like a non-follower, I might say something, you know, sort of snarky back. But if you're a follower, I'm just going to kind of let it go. And if you reply versus DM, my DMs are open. People ask and DM me and ask me different questions. I had a guy last Thursday say, hey, this tease, uh, Arizona and the over, like, what do you think? Like, would you bet that? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't really like teasing totals at any point in time. And of course, that tease ended up losing. So hopefully he didn't actually bet it. But the point is, is anybody can message me at any time, whether it's a reply or whether it's a DM. If it's a DM, right, we can have a conversation. I'll answer your question. I'll even ask you if I can use it on the podcast the next day. If you reply, it's fair game, right? Like it's out there in the ether and anything, anything goes at that point, right? I can use that out here and not feel any uh, guilt whatsoever. So I just thought I would get that out to people. If as the VP of common sense, if you object, then I'm happy to hear, um, you know, what the objection is necessarily. But I think going forward, that's going to be the general policy. I think that's totally fair. I think you're within your rights to go back at anyone anytime you want to. I just feel like that, like, what are you going to do? Convince the guy differently or convince the person? Yeah. Like you say, this this person's, I think their his heart was in the right place, although his wording was a little dismissive and hilarious as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, no, if you want to go back at them, do it. But then what, like, what are you going to do? You're going to have to write again if he comes back. So I, I yeah. think the way you're going about it is the right way just for your own sanity. And also it's one of those things where it's out there, but you know, once you get into like those subtweets and the replies, like no one cares. And it's really like <laughs> yeah, the exactly. lead here of everything you said, the lead, which got buried a little tiny bit, is that um, for all the ladies listening to the window, um, Matt Russell's DMs are open. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that we buried the lead was the leave, leave them alone uh, part of the end. Oh, no, I did like that, actually. That really... And that's why I'm like, oh, he must like, I'm going to give him the benefit out here because he misread my tweet because like, that's such a sweet thing to say at the end of defending. It's true. And and leave them alone has to be written 
uh, which is one single tear slowly rolling down his face, I believe. Well, and he didn't write like in a, in a, with an exclamation point, right? So like, I'm going to take it as a leave him alone, like, like something that's a little bit sort of more off the cuff. Um, but I do like the idea that like professional athletes are choosing to sign multi-million dollar contact, contracts. We need to leave them alone as if they're like delivering soup you know, uh, to uh, to shut-ins here during coronavirus. No, for sure. Especially those multi-million dollar contracts that are being paid with TV money because people like us are watching. No, I will not leave Tom Brady alone and his midlife crisis team out there <laughs> slinging it around in this Tampa Bay convertible. Not going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, so back to stuff that's on the field. So, it, you know, we're 11 weeks through here, 10 games each, with the exception of Carolina and Tampa Bay, who have played 11 because they still have their bye week left. And so I decided let's, you know, it's time to kind of talk about um, the tiers, if you will. And so, you know, we had last week a, a guest on by the name of Drew Dinsick, who was, I thought, really, really good and really sort of enlightening. And he talked about, you know, how he does his power ratings, right? And so this is kind of an intro to power ratings in, in that we're going to take four tiers and we're going to populate them with the NFL teams here. And I asked you to sort of do a little homework for this one. So hopefully you've been studying up, if you will. And if by studying up, I mean just look at the list of teams and, and put them in, in, not even necessarily in order, <laughs> but different no. you know, different. Listen, tiers. I was up all night, baby. I was in the attic with a book on the floor like the kid in the never-ending story, just crushing an apple and studying. Yeah. So we got four, four categories here, top category. And listen, you could put 10 teams in the top category. You could put one team in the top category if you want, right? And that goes for all of the categories. And so it's contenders, which are like a team that you feel comfortable laying points with, right? And at this point in the NFL season, for me, especially last night, I'm running out of teams that I'm willing to back as a favorite. <laughs> like, I am just like everybody, like underdogs the rest of the way and like underdog or pass, which is sort of my, you know, theory in general. But even these spots that I think that are so good for a team like Tampa Bay to come out and really put a good performance together, it's just they, like all of these teams just aren't quite good enough to do that. Um, next tier would be sort of just good teams, right? Like you're willing to back them maybe as a small favorite, underdog, wherever the situation um, kind of comes in here. Not necessarily Super Bowl contenders, but like you wouldn't be shocked if they went on a run, got a couple of breaks and ended up in the Super Bowl. And then the next one is sort of the average at best group where it's like you're very comfortable backing them as an underdog. Um, and that's pretty much the, you know, it. And then the last one is the gonna need double digits category, which is, you know, the dregs of the league. I need double digits in order to bet them going forward, right? So four categories altogether, no limit as to where we can sort of put these teams and how many that you need to necessarily have. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the bottom or do you want to start at the top? I think we might as well start at the top because there's going to be no surprises. And just like you, my top, my top, I got two teams in my top. Okay. That's really it. That's I got, I just threw the Steelers, Steelers and the Chiefs. Okay. And I did too. even those two teams have moments where you think is this, like this, this Chiefs team that kind of went through the playoffs last year with these epic, ridiculous comebacks have kind mm -hmm. of taken a lot of that into the season this year. And yeah. even though they're nine and one and they won the Super Bowl, they're still like in your gut. You feel like, is this, is this something they can maintain? 
Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and I have the same too. And that's funny. So we started off already kind of uh, on the same page here. And I don't even really like Pittsburgh much, right? I don't even love Pittsburgh necessarily, well, but at least they have sort of an elite level defense and an offense that you can trust, which is almost more than you can say for Kansas City because they have, of course, the elite level offense, but a defense that I'm not sure that we can trust here when I'm talking about a category where if that team's a favorite, are we okay with backing them as a favorite, right? Uh, no, for sure. And it's it's not so much from the gambling point of view, but it's kind of fun having these as, um, at least what I view as the elite teams. And it, it makes me think if my eyeballs are kind of um, influencing me more than they necessarily should. But just you have this whole league and you have these whole systems uh, based around safety and, you know, not turning the ball over and all this crap. Uh, rightfully so, I guess. Sure. Uh, but the two teams that are kind of up top, like a combined in 18 and one, they're out there slinging it around more than anybody. Yeah. Well, that's 2020, right? That's the NFL in 2020. So, okay. So not a ton to necessarily talk about there, because guess what? The undefeated team and the Super Bowl defending champion are both really good. So, um, Yeah, no surprises, like I said, yeah. Really, the more interesting thing maybe is sort of like who just missed the cut. And, of course, we can talk about that in your next tier. So next tier, as I have it sort of described as in the mix, teams that have a strength, right, a good quarterback, and, you know, but can play at a low range at times, right? That can get them in trouble. So, um, first of all, how many teams do you have in that category? Uh, I've got six, but two very begrudgingly. So, oh, wow, like, okay. four for sure and two, two on the bubble. So, this is where it gets interesting because I have 14 in, the, in, this, in this tier. Uh, this, is, this is actually, yes, this, is the, this somehow ended up being the thickest tier uh, that I've got. So let's go through it. I imagine the team that played last night, uh, maybe both teams that played last night, or is it just one? Just one. Which one? Just, just the Rams made it into my, into my good category, my good tier. Wow. The, uh, the, the, it's like when we get to my average of best category, you'll see where my boatload of teams are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, again, I, I made you only have four categories here. So if we're, if we're only down eight teams through the top two categories, then uh, <laughs> you're either going to hate the entire league or have a real thick, juicy uh, middle of mediocrity. Okay. So you got it's the big burger, baby. <laughs> so you got the Rams uh, and you've, you've bounced Tampa Bay that like, listen, going into last night, if you ask me, I would have, you know, uh, I, I don't know that I necessarily would have had them in the top tier, but it certainly would have been something I would have thought about. But that was such a disappointing performance for them last night, specifically uh, your boy Tommy, that, yeah, I, I dumped him into this rather large 14-team um, base here that, you know, and I, I probably got a little bit wild with some of these teams now that I sort of look at it and go like, well, that team's not making the Super Bowl necessarily. Not that you have to be a Super Bowl um, possibility to even get in here, but um, go. Let's go through the other five teams in the uh, in in your. Category. Okay, well, this is the thing when you talk about Tampa Bay, right? Okay, so I have Steelers and Chiefs up at the top, and those are two teams. While they've had moments in games where they don't look great, are just pretty much consistently good all the time. And then, like, I, I have a team where I think the Seahawks, who are in my good good tier, um, are probably every bit as talented as those two teams, but they've had a couple entire games where they were just atrocious and that for me is what kind of bumps you down to the next tier right like even the saints who are great have had a couple games and like and now of course they have the quarterback situation which while it worked out for the first game i don't know how sustainable that is have looked awful rams have looked awful packers 
have looked awful. And these are all teams that I know are probably every bit as talented on paper as the top ones, but they've just shown me enough that they can be bad where the top two teams aren't, can't, don't look like they can really be bad for an entire game. So in my good, I got Saints, Rams, Bills, Packers, uh, Seahawks, and Cardinals. The Bills and the Cardinals are really bubbly with your regular everyday average tier. Yeah, and listen, I'm sitting here with you know 13 or 14 teams um, on my uh, in this category, and even I was like, Bills. <laughs> and it's only because I needed to get to like 13 in this category to include the bills or at least sort of 10. So I'm a little bit surprised that you went all the way um, with them, you know, given the fact that you only have six left and you've bumped down and here's the list of teams that I have on here that you have bumped down. And that'll sort of segue us to the next category is I've Tampa Bay still hanging in there. Again, teams that have a strength, a good quarterback, but can play at a low range at times now after last night what's their strength right like the defense was disappointing you know we now have to start wondering about whether they have a good quarterback at this stage in the game based on what we saw from last night so that's certainly fair um indy and tennessee i have in this selection uh baltimore i still have clinging to this section um maybe i'm the last one to kind of hang on yeah Hey, listen, if you talked to me about Baltimore just a few weeks ago, I would have loved to be able to put them in the very tippy-top tier. But we've seen enough of the Ravens now after 10 games that they're just not the same team as last year. And they can get had on any Absolutely. And then I got a little generous here because I didn't want to include – it was really more out of guilt, right? I didn't want to include the next three teams in – the next tier because I just think they deserve better than that. And the first team is Las Vegas, a team that, again, I have been off on basically the entire season. Um, but Sunday night was just good enough for me to sort of include them. Like I have to include them with the Buffaloes, with the Arizonas of the world, if I'm going to make this tier as big, uh, you know, as, as, as I think that it is. Right. And so I uh, also have Minnesota in there. And you go, well, they just lost to Dallas. Well, guess what? I've got Dallas in there. Because this version of Dallas, right, this, is ta- this is, has nothing to do with records. This has nothing to do with anything. I firmly believe that the amount of, you know, there's enough talent on Dallas that, okay, they don't necessarily qualify under the do they have a good quarterback element here. But I think the weapons around them, around Dalton, is enough for me to sort of have them just kind of clinging to the back end of that tier as a team that if, listen, if Dallas played Indy tomorrow, right? Like, are you positive Indy wins that game if Dallas played Tennessee? Now, I know you don't have those two teams in your tier necessarily because you, you know, as we get to it, you're going a little deeper here with regards to teams that just aren't that good at all. But I just think right now, given the talent base that, you know, it, it was always there. I shouldn't say it was always there, but it was there before the season started with Dallas. And it got sort of masked by the fact that everybody got hurt and then Dak got hurt. And now that they're getting a lot of guys back here, I think that, again, because I have so many of these other teams in here, uh, like Arizona, like even Baltimore, like I think that might be an interesting game, Baltimore and Dallas in a couple of weeks, that uh, I'm, 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 I'm a little bullish on, on the Cowboys here going forward. So, um can we not say – this is something you could probably break down a lot better um, it, it, given a lot more time. But this particular season, um, from a gambling point of view, we're just picking winner's point of view. The NFC East 
really screws up the whole thing, kind of, right? Because you got to consider how often they're going to play each other. And, like, it's just a weird... And, and they're all kind of marquee teams, right? They usually get a lot of the money moving. And the, they're all just, you know, you're bullish on the Cowboys, and that's fair. I'm going to have them in my, my next category down. But all of these teams are really kind of historically kind of bad as a sure. unit. And I just don't know what to do with it sometimes when they're well, out there. A, yeah, and that's honestly, that's why I have them in this tier because of the last two games as they ventured outside of the doldrums that is the NFC East, right? Like you look at all these games and it's like, God, Giants and Eagles and Eagles and, you know, Washington and Washington. And it's like, good Lord. But you watch Dallas and you go, probably should have beat Pittsburgh, right? And actually did beat Minnesota. And so as, you know, we've gotten to this point, you go, okay, what are all these teams record outside of the NFC East? And the Cowboys actually have three wins outside the NFC East, which, you know, one of them was back in the, you know, DAC days again, you know, against Atlanta. And it's just like, okay, it, that's something, right? Like at least you're playing the senior varsity in the rest of the NFL. Whereas like, well, yeah, like I understand yeah. what you're saying. Like the way, the way I would interpret it a little bit is that Dallas could very well get into the playoffs at like six and 10, oh, five and 11. And if they do, yeah, if they do like, they still, may only get four points or so in that like they're not going to be like a 12 point dog in whatever their first wild card game is like once they have their stuff yeah. together if they have right. their stuff together um like they're not going to be favored by any means but it's not going to feel like you got a 5 and 11 team taking on like a 12 and 4 team or something yeah like that. that's funny that you say that so i think if it were played tomorrow they would be heavily you know they would be underdogs by you know probably quite a bit like let's say based on last night's game right Tampa Bay loses, so in a weird way, they actually do do well to secure, not secure necessarily, but like be in a good spot in that fifth seed, right? Because they're not going to win the division because the Saints are going to win the division. And they're going to be that team that goes on the road to play the NFC East winner. And if it were starting today, right, like that's Philadelphia, or even if, let's say, that's Dallas, like Tampa Bay at Dallas is still Tampa Bay probably like minus seven and a half. But I think over the next five weeks or so, Dallas's play is going to kind of draw that closer and closer. And maybe you're sitting there going like, oh, that'd be great because now I could get Tampa Bay, you know, at under a touchdown. And like, I couldn't really necessarily argue with you uh, in that situation. But, you know, it's a little bit unfortunate for them in that they would have to play, you know, either Tampa Bay or the second best team in the NFC West. But again, this is, you know, mostly for the rest of the regular season type of an exercise. We'll cross all of those bridges when we get to it. So speaking of crossing bridges, let's cross the bridge over to, you know, or or down to, I should say, the juicy middle. I've got it as teams that can be considered favorites, but that can be upset and the teams that can upset them. So it's like X versus Y, you know, Y is a minus three at home, but like, let's be honest, X is probably good value in this situation. And so how many teams do you have in this group? I imagine it's relatively large, um, unless you think the rock bottom. I have got, well, I referred to this, I referred to this group as the average at best group. And uh, I've got 18 teams in the average at best group. And that's, I think it's very typical of me because you've talked to me about the NFL for years. And I will always somehow mention that when a season is finished, 
I think that pretty much every team, like all the teams that are 10 and six to six and 10 are pretty much the same team. And that's pretty much what this whole group Fair. is for me. Um, all right. Well, uh, so I assume the teams that I had in the group ahead, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Minnesota, Dallas, Indianapolis, and Tennessee are all part of this group. For sure. And I actually think the Colts and the Titans probably deserve a little bit better to be in this. But those two teams, like I say, based on the kind of criteria that I'm using or making sure. up as I go, I should say, like they're both capable of looking yeah, beyond that. Like they're both capable of going out there like against a bad team, like looking the complete opposite of when they look good. And when like in the whole Derrick Henry thing with the Titans is it's so weird in 2020 to have this running back that makes such a yeah. difference because he's kind of the one guy that does it. Um, in the Colts, I don't even know what to think of them sometimes when I watch them. I was telling you yesterday, do we want to talk about how I don't understand the Colts? Like, they go out, and even when they're playing well and they win, they still kind of don't look <laughs> right. that great. And it's it, and it's just an aesthetic thing that's fooling me. But I'm just like, what is this team doing? How are they, how are they possibly winning? How are they 7-3? and three? And they look repugnant. <laughs> Almost all the time. So I bump those teams down further than they probably should be because one team really relies on one dude in an odd, outdated position, and the other team, I think, mm -hmm. just looks awful. Um, but everything else, like the, the Bucks, are so sporadic, and uh, you can't trust the quarterback. I'm so sorry to the gentleman that uh, sent you a tweet. It's, it's just you watch him, and uh, he's, you know, I think he's still very serviceable and very good, but he's trying to do things he probably wanted to do over the past yeah. 20 years. Uh, that he wasn't really allowed to do that much besides a year or two in the Pats offense. And now he's trying to get it all out of his system when he's 49 <laughs> years old. And it just doesn't look like the type of thing that's going to be successful for a long period of time. And you know what? There's other teams in here that that really, I think, also deserve maybe a little bit better. Like, I think the Dolphins might be good. Uh, I have the Vikings in here as well. And I think the Vikings have had moments where they look about as good as anyone in that sure. division. So it's it's just a, like almost as much as we're saying, or I'm saying this division is average at best. It's almost like a big, huge question mark for me. So as much as yeah, else. and so I want to talk about the Colts just briefly because you did, you know, before I sort of came up with this or at least pitched this idea to you for the segment today, you did sort of say like I, I want to talk about the Colts tomorrow. So like this in a different world, this could have been a 15 minute Colts conversation. But honestly, I think it's just. It's, it's the involvement of Philip Rivers, right? Like it's it's everything that he does out there that it permeates. Like it's getting it done, but like we're not comfortable with how it's getting done, and that's just right. Like that's how the Chargers always were. Like they would go and they would win at Arrowhead and like knock off the Chiefs, and it would just be this frenetic, you know, you know, frenetic, frantic like chaos but they would end up like winning the game in the last second and like every game that they lost was a game where they looked good but then they blew it at the end and so every game was close right and it's the same thing that's currently going on with the chargers with anthony lynn and it's just never going to be pretty right like there's enough mistakes in there that it's going to keep every game close whether it's starting with the mistakes and having to battle back or finishing with the mistakes they're just always going to be there so you're always on the edge of your seat when it comes to a team that's got philip rivers as the quarterback and i think that's the key with when you're evaluating the colts as for the vikings like aren't they just sort of a low rent titans like dalvin cook is like just obviously a smaller but like much faster 
um, or at least shiftier, if you will, uh, version of Derrick Henry at this point. Like those two guys are neck and neck right now for the rushing title by a mile. Yeah, like it's Cooks also, he's, I think he's got a little more um, of the modern style yeah. versatility to him, which blows me away more about Derrick Henry, who does it in yeah, more oh, of an sure. old school style. Oh, it does. Oh my God. That sounded very erotic the way I said that, but like it's, he, he, he's that, that old school super just power rusher. And you wouldn't think that like a, you wouldn't think you could be a feature back these days, let alone kind of the best, maybe, maybe the best player in the league. Uh, It's, it's nuts, but no, you're right with Minnesota. Um, Like they're, they're kind of as he goes, we go. The rest of the group uh, that you have here, reel them off for me. Oh my God. Okay. Here we go. As I mentioned, there's going to be a few I'll say again. We got Colts, Titans, the Cleveland Browns, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Baltimore Ravens, the Miami Dolphins. We get the San Francisco 49ers, the Carolina Panthers, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can read what the heck I wrote right there. We'll get back to it. We got the Lions, the Pats, the Chargers, the Washington football team, and the Atlanta Falcons. And that's like I almost need to break this group obviously down into three more groups because it's really wide. But you look at the team like Atlanta, three and seven. Hey man, they blew some games. Atlanta could easily be a yeah, five. Yeah, and, and I think even right that now. you know again record be damned or whatever. I think that still qualifies them in this group alongside the chargers who could, you know, you make the case they could be six and three. You can make the case. They honestly can make the case. They, they could be undefeated if they had any sort of functionality from an organizational standpoint. And so, um, yeah, I've got, I've got the giants up in this group and I've got uh, Denver up in this group and Carolina up in this group. I don't know. Well, did you, you see Carolina? The- Maybe that was one of them. All right. I do have the Panthers in there, and I'm with you on the Giants, and my Giants um, ending up in the garbage bin of my tears is partly just because that okay. division they're in confuses me. Because I think they're I think they're I think they're really bad, but they've also had some moments where, oh my God, it look it looks like this Daniel guy, this Daniel Jones kid is is an actual quarterback and the team looks okay. And I think I also kind of get fooled because it seems like they're um, wild, not good. Like it seems like their team kind of has some type of thought as to what they're trying to do. They're not just one of these classic just NFL messes. And like I, I think you having the Giants up there is fair. My my basement yeah, teams, the there's basement a few. Teams. Like I don't know. I have the Bears down there, and they belong. The basement teams. I got uh, Bears, Texans, Giants, Jags, Jets. Okay, I've Bengals. got. I only have four, so I've got Jets, Jags, Bengals, Eagles, because I'm at that point. Uh, with the Eagles this season as the team that I don't want anything to do with. You know what's crazy? If the Eagle, if the Eagles had a loss instead of a tie, <laughs> I'd probably put them down there too. But just because I think I got like fooled by their record, and again, that stupid division, and I'm just like, oh, they got this, they got this, they got this well, it's tie. tie to the so maybe they're not that it's bad. The tie to the so we're in that category. Well. <laughs> And you know what? I, I was I was yeah. so angry after that game. Do you remember it? It's like both teams chose. Both teams chose at that moment. Let's shake hands and both just commit to being awful. That's what we're doing right here in this game. And I think you're right. I'm bumping the Eagles down. Sore Eagles, sore. Not anymore. These Eagles are grounded into the base. <laughs> well, I was, and that's the thing. That tie might end up getting them that playoff spot, right? Because you look at the standings right now, and it's like, yeah, they have uh, the same amount of wins as everybody else, but they have one less loss. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that just awesome that the division's so bad that the time they do it, 
God. It's it, like, then that game was one where they were doing all these right decisions based on the metrics. I'm going to go on off on a side tangent. I think we watch football these days and we're seeing all these two point conversions, all this nonsense, people going for it on fourth down, which all seems great right now. And it's like, oh, these, you know, these dinosaur coaches are finally paying attention to the to the to the metrics and the math and they're, they're doing the right decision. Hey, man, you've watched baseball over the past 15 years. And if you're watching, depending on what kind of basketball you like in the NBA, these coaches figuring out how the math works is usually not a great thing for the sport in the end. So I'm just saying, let's uh, uh, let's ease up on giving all these guys so much credit on doing the good math decision because it's going to take a terrible turn at some point where these guys well, are all deciding. Uh, uh, let's yes, just and, uh, like with that math thing, if we didn't do this little exercise here, my my spiel to you is going to be explaining what on earth happened with the Cincinnati Bearcats in college football this past week as they literally busted a binder out during timeouts to try to figure out how to manipulate the clock. And they still screwed it up late in the game against Central Florida. But uh, (laughs) that's maybe not the most exciting radio anybody's necessarily ever heard. Oh, no, no. Listen, you breaking down Cincinnati Bearcat failed efforts to manipulate the clock is, well, is exactly <laughs> what you need to be doing. This is, uh, this is what I imagine sure. us in a golf cart. And somehow I bring up something about the goddamn Bearcats. And then we're on like them breaking out the calculator with the little receipt thing right. that comes out the back end for five minutes, well, figuring out well, what the, the hell they the did wrong. No, it's perfect. That instead of going up 10 points when they were up three points, they decided to do literally three straight runs that the running back ran and sat on the one yard line. And it was just completely ridiculous because it was like, you know, they have no timeouts. You <laughs> might want to get up 10 points here. And then they didn't run the clock out in all of that. And so they had to run a fourth down play and the snap actually was fumbled. And so there was a brief moment where Central Florida could grab the football and run down the other way. But, they, you know, the quarterback jumped on the ball just in time and they only won by three points, which is relevant because, of course, the point spread was four. Uh, speaking of point spreads, I'm going to get you out on this. Another thing that I hadn't, you know, sort of ran by you here, but it was more just an announcement that I would be interested in sort of hearing your feedback on with regards to college basketball. And the season starts tomorrow, um, Wednesday, as you know, and as anybody, listen, if you've been listening since season zero back in February, which is like four of you out there, um, you know that I love college basketball and It's, uh, you know, March Madness. I've talked about it even recently. Um, It's my by far my favorite event. And so I should be more excited about this college basketball season coming up here. Right. And I love college football. But truthfully, this season has sucked. Okay, like I'm glad that it exists. I'm glad that it happened because if it didn't, we'd be sitting here just lamenting like college football not being here. So at least this sort of facsimile makes us feel like it's actually happening. But this season hasn't been any fun, right? Like the ranking show comes out tonight and like, I don't even really know if I'm going to watch or if I care because it just, it just rings hollow at this point. Every game feels like a bowl game and only there's like 50 of them. And I say feel like a bull game because you're trying to figure out motivations and who's healthy and who's sitting out for the draft and all of this stuff that might be fun if it's a one game at a time type of deal in the middle of the Christmas holidays. But it's just not that fun when there's 50 games every Saturday. So normally the plan would be to get a bunch of guests on to preview college basketball season. And we would have already done that because it's supposed to have started a couple of weeks ago. But I just can't. Because it's going to be bad. 
and none of the fun, you know, early season tournaments, right? Your Maui Invitationals, your, you know, Bahamas deal, like all of that stuff isn't happening. We're just kind of the Battle for Atlantis. The Battle for Atlantis. Champions Classic is sort of like the official or unofficial kickoff, tip off, if you will, to the season. And it's just none of it's happening. And it's all just like who can play where, when, how. And when you're handicapping football, it's like, okay, 10 guys are out with COVID. And it's like, okay, well, like, are they important guys? Are they not important guys? And you don't really know. And in college basketball, like, guys are going to be out. And it's going to be one or two guys, you know, from time to time. And they might be really important guys. And how are they, you know, how do they affect the spread? And, you know, in multiple ways, um, the point spread. And it's just not going to be any fun. So the way I'm going to treat this season is December is preseason. I'll be watching. I'll be using that as prep. I may have some small bets here and there, but I'm not going to come on here and tell people, oh, I'm betting this tonight, I'm betting that tonight, because it's just an absolute mess. January, conference season, I'll be back for that. Hopefully things work out. We'll maybe, you know, have a couple of guests on, that kind of thing. But I just have to treat this, whatever this is for the next six weeks, as a preseason. And it sucks, but hopefully things work out. I think that's fair. And uh, hey, listen, in my mind, and I think in a lot of casual college basketball watchers' minds, the pre- pre-conference schedule is kind yep. of preseason anyway. Do you know what I mean? Um, like, I know it's yeah. not, but that's kind of how we view it. You know, when Duke when Duke is given 34 yeah. points against who the hell are they? It's, so I, I think we all kind of think of it like that. I think for the season itself, I appreciate that your, your grand announcement is that the college basketball season is <laughs> going to be bad. And it very well might. But I think you, when you say um, every football game feels like a bowl game, that's part of what makes the college football season seem so shitty is that, like, the yeah. what are we playing for? Like, not all the teams are out there. We're canceling games. We're delaying games. We're playing weird amounts of schedules. You know, Big Ten gets in a month late. And it's kind of like when everyone's playing together on a regular schedule, they're all part of one big narrative, which is the season. And the college football season uh, didn't do that. And that's part of what makes it suck. Even when you're gambling one game at a time and the whole narrative of the season doesn't make that big of a difference, having that backdrop just makes it all seem a little more fun, a little more interesting, and I think a little more purposeful. So if the college basketball season goes the way of college football, where teams start dropping out, leagues stop playing, um, and it's all just kind of this mishmash, which is so clearly to get TV money, then yeah, it's going to kind of suck because – um, like they have an uphill battle to begin with, even if they're perfect, because we talk about how many sports do the fans really play an mm-hmm. active role in your viewing experience. And college yeah. basketball is close to the top of the list, yeah. right? Um, so we're not going to have that. We're not going to have fan sections. Like, and it's actually a sport where, you know, the kids are out there. College basketball is fun because the kids are making mistakes all over the place. And part of that is because the crazy fans are just insufferably yelling at them and that's not going to be there it's just going to kind of be a bunch of teenagers and tank tops Mm -hmm. running around in a quiet gym so it might be awful but if i think they can keep the structure of their season sound i think if they can play without having to do these weird um you know impromptu cancellations and, and making it up as they go i think it could still be a lot of fun but you're right i think you give it a month of preseason yeah. to see how it's actually going to play out because if you start committing a bunch of your time to how this college basketball season is going to go and then all of a sudden, you know, we get to January and it's just the ACC and the, like the Pac-12. The then issue, it's like, oh, well, right? what it's the like, hell have we been doing? At this point, especially with football going on and college football 
you know, I'm already kind of too deep, right? Like I'm in college football. Like I sort of, you know, I know what's going on. It just isn't any fun. And handicapping this stuff isn't any fun. And that's what it would mean. Like the, the basketball may be decent, right? Like it may, who knows, it might be even better from a quality standpoint, like by percentage points, however you want to sort of rate that. But it's just not any fun handicapping this stuff. And, and that's just for once a week for college football, where you wake up on Saturday and go, okay, who's got half their team out with COVID? Like I didn't, wasn't able to make a bet at this price. You know, what's the new price? I, I, I don't know. And I'm going to do that every single day with, you know, twice as many teams. Like I don't want to do that. And that structure that you talk about, like it has been altered, right? Like the, the intro to the season with all the different fun tournaments and these non-conference matchups, like that's the sort of fun part. And then the conference season is that familiarity right and those rivalries and all of that stuff and hopefully we still get that and you know again like you said i don't know that we're going to get student sections or anything uh, along those lines and i still hope there's a tournament right i'm not saying cancel the season like that's not where i'm at it's just more like i can't handicap this stuff on a day-to-day basis not knowing what's going on and it's just kind of a bummer and so you know if you listen to this podcast back in you know before the shutdown back in march you go like, man, he must be really fired up for college basketball season to get going here tomorrow night. And the, and the reality is, like, you know, if, if you've been following along, a lot of these teams have had 21-day shutdowns and haven't practiced because of this. Or, like, this kid, had, you know, they had 21 days and he didn't even test positive, but, like, he knew somebody who did. And it's just a total mess already. A bunch of games are canceled. A bunch of games that you don't even realize are getting canceled are canceled. And it just, it just totally sucks across the board. Well, this is my advice for you from a handicapping perspective. We can get out in a second from a handicapping perspective. You're right. You're kind of hooped and it sucks. But as far as your personal excitement goes, watching the sport that you love, I say, give it until you hear Bill Raftery's voice. And once you hear it, true. Once he goes, Uh, I might be right back in. And listen, like I said, I'm going to watch it. I'll have the, I'll have all, you know, a bunch of games on TV tomorrow, um, Wednesday. That'll be, you know, that'll be fun. That'll be nice to have sort of the squeak of the, of the sneakers, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, that'll be at least um, refreshing, um, even if from an overall standpoint, like I'm kind of bummed out about the entire thing. Uh, things that I'm not bummed out about, that's having Ted on every Tuesday. Um, thanks for this, buddy. Hey gang, pardon the interruption, but I've got to do a quick ad for this podcast. Normally at the end of each show, I'll mention to subscribe, rate, and review the pod offhandedly. And if you have done all three things, then you're a rock star. If not, could you? It helps. But also, if you enjoy the content, whether it's saving you from following the lemmings over the cliff with that short road favorite, or the various guests, or whatever reason, could you do me a favor to help grow the show by telling a friend or even an enemy? One share with someone you talk sports with can go a long way to help build our little community. It would be greatly appreciated. Now, let's get back to the betting talk. All right, let's take our first look at week 12 in the NFL, starting it up with our Thanksgiving Thursday, the holiday. Love it. Houston and Detroit here. This thing is ticked up to Houston minus three, appropriately so, right? How many people are really going to love Detroit on this Thanksgiving? That being said, 
we're going to have to see about some injuries, right? Houston missing a couple of receivers, leaving that game against New England this past weekend. Detroit obviously shorthanded in that game against Carolina. Are they going to get Kenny Galladay back? I think we'd expect to see Swift back and Amendola back potentially. Um, but of course, Galladay, the big question mark every time we deal with the Detroit Lions. Washington and Dallas, this one up to a flat three. Opened, you know, look ahead was minus one, minus one and a half. And, you know, market pretty impressed with Dallas uh, and their win against Minnesota way more impressed with that than they were with Washington's win against Cincinnati don't have to really explain to you why that is right Washington got uh, got quite a little bit of a break there with Burrow getting injured Baltimore and Pittsburgh here this one of course interesting you know look ahead was three with some juice on Pittsburgh now goes up to four and a half with the news of, you know, the COVID shutdown, the practice facility closing down, you know, obviously the main running backs being out for Baltimore. But the market goes, you know what, that's a little bit high at four and a half and has ticked this thing back down to four, um, which, you know, I think is probably the right spot for this number. Uh, it's going to be a pretty significant game for us one way or another on Thursday. So we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Uh, Arizona and the New England Patriots. Arizona minus two and a half right now. Interesting to see whether this pushes to three. This one will be one that I think we're going to discuss at length on Friday. Carolina and the Minnesota Vikings here. This one down from four and a half to four. Just the fact that there's a line here tells me one of two things. One, either Teddy Bridgewater will be back for Carolina, or two, the market doesn't care, and they think P.J. Walker is just as good as Teddy Bridgewater. I would, of course, lean to the former in all of that, thinking that that's why this line has to be made, because I don't agree. I don't think that Bridgewater and Walker are on equal playing fields here. Cleveland and Jacksonville. Cleveland now six and a half point favorites. This was closer to seven. Um, you know, maybe some interest here in Jacksonville with a potential return of Gardner Minshew and Cleveland finally going back on the road and actually having to play on a neutral playing field. And I don't just mean that from like a geographical standpoint, because obviously it's a home game for Jacksonville, but like from a neutral standpoint is in like the weather might not be completely insane. Now, maybe we might have some sort of hurricane type conditions for Jacksonville. You never really know what's going on with Florida at this point. Um, but that being said, I think uh, kind of an interesting spot to watch the rest of this week. Chargers and the Bills. Chargers go from 10-point favorites to 5.5-point underdogs. Really interesting, you know, dichotomy there between the Bills and the Jets as their opponent. You know, Anthony Lynn, we always talk about him. Every game's a one-score game. Really interesting to see where this price goes if it goes up to 6 at some point for the Bills. Raiders and the Falcons here. This one was a pick em in the look-ahead and is now at minus 3. All right, obviously that's on the strength of the Raiders looking good and the Falcons looking not so good. Is that going to be a spot where we want to take advantage of kind of an overreaction, overadjustment here? Maybe, but we have to see what's going on with Julio Jones, right? He made it back in the game uh, against the Saints, but who knows what that hamstring, I believe it is, injury is going to uh, is going to do going forward. Miami and the New York Jets, obviously a rematch from when the Dolphins shut out the Jets. That was the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of course, we you know we're pretty bang on with regards to what to expect out of Tua last week, and so. Are the Jets possibly live here to win their first game? And at plus seven, this might gain some attention in the marketplace. Giants and the Bengals here. This thing got up to Giants minus six. Of course, 
you know, look ahead was Bengals favorite, minus three and a half, minus four with Joe Burrow. Now, of course, without Joe Burrow, what's the adjustment to Ryan Finley? That's the thing that we have to assess over the next week or so here if we're looking to bet this game. So, you know, are the Giants worth being a six-point favorite? The market has sort of stopped it at six and has ticked it back down to five and a half, which I think at least is sort of a starting point for kind of figuring out what's the absolute maximum that we're going to see here with regards to a Giants point spread. Tennessee and Indy very quick rematch after a couple of weeks ago, the Thursday night matchup where Indy moved from a one point underdog to a one point favorite. They're now four point favorites here against Tennessee. And this may have been over adjusted here. I think, Tennessee plus four is a bet that you want to might you know you might want to make and get in your account right now. Saints and the uh, the Broncos. Now we've got Taysom Hill. You know how impressed were you with Taysom Hill? And is that worth taking on the road to a Denver team here who again still undervalued here? My number has this considerably lower than six. Would I be shocked if it dropped down closer to my number of about four? No, of course not. Uh, I would be more surprised if it went up. So if you like Denver, this might be an actual situation here where you grab the six right now, because even though the Saints are going to be a public play, a play that a lot of people are into, I still think Denver um, might get some attention here from a marketplace standpoint. San Francisco and the Rams here. This one's a flat seven. No change to the look ahead line here. We do have to look for San Francisco here as the team, right? That kind of owns the Rams. So Seven points does feel like a lot in this matchup. Kansas City and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And unfortunately, after last night, we are going to have to bet the Buccaneers. Now, how, to what degree, right? At three and a half points here, the matchup is considerably different against the Chiefs than it is the Rams, as scary as the Chiefs are. More on that, of course, on Friday. Chicago and the Green Bay Packers here. And if we survive on Thursday, knock on wood, knock on all the wood, Green Bay is going to be our survivor pick this week. I'll let you know that right off the bat. That's been the plan all season long. At eight and a half point favorites, that means, like many of our survivor picks, we're just going to stay away and hope for the win. Seattle and Philadelphia here. If you want anything to do with Philadelphia, you're welcome to it. That being said, right, I think Philadelphia is still going to somehow be popular in the marketplace. And I know that sounds crazy because Philadelphia is one of the top five worst teams in the league, in my opinion. But that's where we're at here, right? And we've seen too many of these primetime games as the sort of, you know, public side going down in uh, in a heap uh, with our cash. Um, as for the rest of the week, let's talk about the plan. No pod on Thursday. I used to take the day off, whether I was in school, whether I was, you know, working the nine to five, uh, all of that stuff. Big day, unfortunately, can't go out, can't go to the bars with the buddies for um, you know, the big, the big Thursday slate that sucks really disappointed in that. Um, but no pod, not going to be a big deal because again, it's not a Thursday night game. It's a full Thursday slate, which we're going to talk about on Wednesday's podcast. So tomorrow, Dave Tooley is going to join the show. He's got to make the survivor pick. He is in charge of this as a friend of the podcast. This is his assignment. We're going to go through all three games with him tomorrow. It's going to be super fun. And then of course, we're back with the big NFL pod on Friday, where we break down every single game for the rest of the week 12 slate. Always fun to get Ted's take. As for me, I'm at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.